0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another wonderful installment of Semi-Bookish. Today's special guest today, Adrian's illustrious, very own Mayor Angela Sword Heath. I know Aaron's got the little... uh, Yes, I got to milk it up a little bit, Aaron. Come on. Um,
1: (laughs) If only this were a video podcast.
0: Right. Oh. (laughs) We can put it on YouTube, though. Um, (laughs) One of these days. Right? We're, we invited her to talk um, to get a little bit know to, to get to know her a little bit more. It's also Women's History Month for everyone not paying attention <coughs> to the calendar. I know that the past year has kind of just blurred together. Um, and we are coming up on that one year anniversary of.
1: Yeah, somehow it's already March and still March and
2: March again. And we're never <laughs> it up. feels like we never left March, just so you know.
0: <laughs> um. So we'll jump right into one of the more exciting parts of our our podcast is what are we reading now? And if you're willing, uh, Mayor Heath, I would love for you to go first. Uh,
2: well, I, I actually uh, don't read heavily during this time of the year because I'm very busy with both mayoral duties and my full-time job. Yeah. And if I were to start reading um, the books, like I will try to – I I get obsessed once I start reading. I do have a, an addiction to reading for sure. And um, that was brought on by my mother. We did every book reading club at the Adrian city library growing up. And um, we, uh, my mom really instilled reading into us. And so when I start reading, I don't clean, I don't do the dishes. I don't do the laundry. I just go to that land in the, in the book. And I ignore everybody. And then I'm way too busy right now to be doing that. Um, I just go, I just really become engrossed in the book and I I really have a hard time putting it down. So um, I have to do light reading during this time of the year for that reason, or I would be getting nothing done. So I do a lot of... um, Self help books. Uh, Rachel Hollis is probably one of my favorite when it comes to that right now. And um, I'm actually um, reading one of her latest books. And I know this is terrible, but I can't remember the name of it right this second. But she has done like Girl Wash Your Face, Girl Stop Apologizing. And um, this newest one is about. Um, like when you've made mistakes and and how to recover from that, how to keep going on and, um, it's just very light reading. It's not, you know, it's not like a novel or anything that I'm going to, I can just read a chapter and put it down. Um, I can't do that when I'm actually reading. I'm too into the books. I just love them too much. So, um, I will have free time come May and then I will be hitting my books again. But I will say over um, Christmas break, because I had some time at Christmas time, I had um, read the latest Nicholas Sparks book. I sometimes just really like um, his books. Um, I actually don't like the movies because they aren't like the books. And um, I am one of those people that can never watch a movie after I've read the book because I will criticize it um, because I always love the book so much more. And I'm, I'm, and they don't portray it the same. So it really bothers me. But um, I did read that my my kids got it for me for a Christmas present because they know how much I love Nicholas Sparks. And um, so, the, you know, also kind of light reading, but something I have enjoyed. Um I did start reading in the pandemic. Um, Wicked is one of my favorite um, musicals, so I actually started reading. Now that's a hard read, so it's 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 been a struggle to get through that. But the the Wicked novel, um, I you know that was the basis and the inspiration for the right. musical. It's very interesting because I know that musical inside and out, and so um, that book's been very, very, very interesting to read. It's just been a slow progression because it is a hard one to read, but I have been getting through that as well.
0: I was just singing like in, yeah. coming into work the other day. I was singing "Dancing Through Life."
3: Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, so, um, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good couple books there, and I love Rachel Hollis. I know I'm not her usual demographic or her usual target audience, but I like her and. Uh, she narrates her her own work so mm-hmm. if you pick have a book an audio book of hers she narrates it i
1: feel like and, it's kind of critical in nonfiction. like i get it with fiction authors you get whoever you want to narrate it but i feel like like certain brands of nonfiction are probably yes. narrated by their own authors because right. they know what emphasis they wanted to put out there
0: which i actually wrote the next one what i'm i'm literally on the like i just finished the other day was uh what the eyes don't see by mona hannah atisha um talking hmm. about the Flint water crisis and her journey from first discovering elevate, ele- elevated um, <laughs> in water and blood and her journey to helping expose expose the truth. And it was really an emotional book. I mean, it's infuriating. We were inundated with all of that a couple of years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still to some degree ongoing and like hearing her talk about it, like, she narrates her own audiobook and she's wonderful. I even mentioned on Twitter, I'm like, you need to narrate more. I think you'd be great, Mona. And um, I literally just finished that like a day and a half ago. And I jumped into Van Wong, um, Girl, Giant, and the Monkey King. I'm. It, it was recommended for an audiobook review blog that I partic- participate in. And I'm like, you know what? I'll grab it. It sounds fun. And I'm like 30 minutes in, so I can't really give a good, you know, take on it yet but those are the two things I just finished and the one I'm stepping into now
2: all right now do you like audio I I can't do audiobooks I struggle I've tried and I know a lot of people that have long commutes will do audiobooks but uh, I am a very visual learner I'm not an auditory learner I um I just cannot. I, I can't stay focused. I I think and I can't even do like Kindles like I need a book in my hand. I think I'm just very old fashioned. I want that book in my hand and I, I want to be able to flip those pages and put my bookmark in. And um, I struggle when it's like on a screen or anything, but especially audio. Now, I did use audio, though. Uh, I did for motivation because I coach at Siena Heights University for motivation for my teams, girl, wash your face. I actually had them listen to it on audio while they stretched every practice. So we eventually got through that book in a couple months time period because they don't stretch for very long. But so they would listen to like maybe a chapter, half a chapter. And they actually really got a lot out of it, they said. And that was a little bit different of a setting and it seemed to work. But in general, I know I, I don't know how the rest of you are, but I just I think I'm too old fashioned. I need that book in my hand. I really struggle with any other medium.
0: Well, you know, it's kind of funny because if someone in the library says, "Oh, I listen to, I'm like, oh, audiobooks, <laughs> audiobooks, what? Um, <laughs> I've gotten into them about seven years ago, and i I write reviews for Ears on the Odyssey. It's a mock Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Odyssey as a audiobook award. Um, and we write reviews on potential candidates for the what might win that award. And you know it's a wonderful journey. I Get to enjoy a book, but I also get to enjoy a performance, which um, quite a few of us here have a theatrical background.
3: I think everyone so, in this call has.
0: Theatrical.
3: Yeah, <laughs> pretty much.
0: So, like, when you talk about audiobooks, like I love to talk audiobooks. Like, I I have favorite narrators, Bonnie Turpin, the gold standard. I'll never quit talking about her all the time. Yeah, I, I'm drinking that tea.
1: I drink every time you say her name.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's only water. That sounds like an idea. So yes, like when you talk about audiobooks, like I commute, I commute from Jackson, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And, but when I get home, I I clean the house, I play video games, I walk the dogs, I like. I've majority of literature I consume is audio.
2: I think if I had a long commute, I would too, because I know that's a lot of my friends that have long commutes. That's what they do. They listen to books. So, yeah.
1: okay. Jen, what are you reading? I was going to leap on what you were saying, Andy, because I also read What the Eyes Don't See last year. Mm. It's the Great Michigan Read through Michigan Humanities, I think is the group that puts it on. We actually got like 30 copies to give away and I've only managed to give away like 10. Come (laughs) by the library and get a paperback copy of this, please. I am begging you. (laughs) I just I also just don't want them in the back room anymore. But right now I am reading a new book called Band of Sisters by Lauren Willig. It is set during World War I based on a true story where a group of graduates from Smith College put a unit together, shipped over to France and started trying to care for villagers who had been bombed out by the Germans, left in the wreckage, you know, starved to death in the winter, all of that kind of thing. And just the sort of community sense that came out of that, how they all got empowered and that kind of thing. Didn't necessarily pick it up on purpose for Women's History Month. I picked it up because uh, the blurbs on the back said it's for people who love Call the Midwife and the Alice Network. And I'm like, that's a little too on brand for me. I'm going to have to read this book.
3: That's a little like specifically directed at you, Jen. A
2: little
1: too targeting.
2: You called, you said it was Band of Sisters? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I put it in my notes. I am a history buff. Anything that's related to history, that's me. So I, I love I love any novels that are more period history related. That's totally up my alley. So I I just put that in my notes because I'm going to have to look at that one because that's the other thing. Any I love I just love history. If I can find a good his, anything related to history, I'm on it.
0: We'll create a direct line of communication <laughs> between you two because she is our resident historical fiction lover. Uh, and she has provided many good recommendations. Um, Thank you, I
1: try. All in taste work.
3: Um. All <laughs> Go. Me? Yes! Uh, so, on brand for me, I'm reading, like, five things at once, because why not? Uh, I'm reading House of Leaves if we go off of last week's, e- like, last episode, where we read books that was, like, really, really weird and strange. And it's basically, like, this guy owned gets a house, and it turns out the house is, like, bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, and there's, like, a whole, like, weird way that it's written, and the only true way to read it is to read the colored version, because there's braille, and there's colors, and there's a lot of really weird stuff going on, um, and then I'm also reading, because I saw it up in YSD the other day, uh, Seance Tea Party by, uh, what's it by? Who is it by again? Romina Yee. And it's like this girl who wants to stay young forever, so she makes friends with the ghost in her house, who's also a child, and so she has to come to terms with the fact that she's growing up, but her best friend is staying young forever because she's a ghost. And that's what I'm reading. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: I'm also reading World world history of photography and it's like down here and it's really big and for context for people in
0: the video oh no oops
3: okay oh, yeah it's
0: casual which also do we could have extended that bit of information sometimes we don't talk about what we're reading if we're watching a show or we're you know, sometimes Aaron says, "Hey, here's what game I'm playing."
3: I'm playing Saints Row* four for anyone who wants to know.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, because any kind of a, a, any form of media or entertainment is good, and even in video games, which I I defend video games because there's the games that I like to play. They're like a strong narrative fantasy element, and there's always an engaging story. And if I find it boring, I stop halfway through the game. I'm like, no, nope, I'm wasting my time. But so yeah, Aaron's a pretty good gamer over there. I love it.
2: Oh, I, I noticed Erin's gaming chair the minute she came on. Yes. I I knew what that was, but Erin knows my my children and I'm, uh, one of my, my oldest son is a big yeah. gamer. So yeah, she knows. So I, I recognize the chair. I knew what it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I try. Oh, something you said a little bit ago, I'm, I'm, we're shifting a little bit to you. And you'd mentioned that your mother gets you positive memories and used to come to Adrian city library. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any warm, really? can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what warm, fuzzy memories do you have of reading and or the library in general? Um,
2: you know, it would just be going to the library to pick out books and, like, and, you know, she really, especially in that summer, she wanted us reading as much as possible because we weren't in school anymore. Um, she didn't push it so much during the school year. because She knew we were reading, obviously, in school. But any breaks we had, spring break, we didn't really go away on spring break because of their jobs. And so we were expected to be reading during that time. Um But, you know, we would go to the library and not just pick out books and leave. We would actually sit there. Um, It's probably why I became um, a teacher originally when I when I went to college to study. um, I studied education. And that's probably what it was. I am that weird person that walks into a library or an old school. And I'm like, I this is going to sound funny, but I walk in and I go, I love the smell. I'm home. It is like this weird. um, I just love that that, that the sensation that it gives me, um, that, that feeling, that, that home vibe, because we spent a lot of time in the library. We would go there and, you know, you would start to like, see it. My mom would say, start reading it, see if you're going to like it, you know? And, and there were certain authors, even, you know, as a kid and as a teenager that I was like drawn to, but they didn't maybe have new ones coming out. So then, you know, that's back before the internet days. So it's not like you could go research who, you know, is similar to them, like what authors. So you kind of had to start reading a book and figure out if that's what you liked or, you know, or not. So that's why we would stay there for quite a while, you know, and and, um, my mom would, um, you know, we're back in the old fashioned days and we didn't have you know, internet and all of that. And so like, even for research for school work, you know, as we were teenagers, we spent a lot, a long portion of our time in the library. And my mom would read while we were there doing our schoolwork, my brother and I, and we would be doing our research for um, research papers and, and things like that there in the library. And, it's just, we, we would go to also the county library, we'd go to both, we had cards to both, we we, we visited both of them, um, you know, it just we lived closer to the city, that's probably why, to the city library than the county, so that's probably why we did that, but also it, it seemed to be a little, it had more accessibility for, at least for my memory as a child, it seemed like it was a little bit more accessible and, um, we knew it, we were more familiar with it. So we, we tended to go there quite a bit. And so, like I said, for school, but you know, they're reading, we would, we would do the, they would do the, like, um, art projects and things like that. And then, um, I took my children, when I moved back here, I moved, I moved away after college. And I came back here with my children in 2004. And I immediately put them in, they had done Chicago Public Library programs, I made them always be in it, just like I grew up, but it was a little bit different there, being in such a big city, but I put them right into, you know, the the Adrian City Public Library, you know, reading programs, and but we would go because they would do like arts and craft time, you know, they would have all these different Things in the summer as part of that program. And so I put them into that. And then I even helped out and volunteered because being a former school teacher, you know, um, I had actually helped it several times there too, as well. And I've even come in and read in the children's um, section when we could pre-COVID or on, and I've also done the reading is fundamental program um, and gone out to the schools. And I've done it there in the basement of of the library. And I did it once up in the loft in the kids section of the library. So, um, so we, you know, I, I, I just think reading is something that, it's it's sad to me because I feel like a lot of people are getting away from it. I feel like it's starting to get a rebirth and people are starting to come back. But um, I do think that um, that in different, different ways, it is starting to kind of rebuild again. But I feel like a lot of people have gotten away from reading over the years. Um, I can't believe how many people are surprised how much I will take books with me and I'll read. Even my... You know, I went away last weekend just for a day and I took two books with me because when you have a spare moment, you should be reading. And I do that if I'm on an airplane or if I'm not anywhere, but I can't believe the amount of people not reading when they're sitting at an airport or on an airplane. And you used to see that all the time. So.
0: I blame, I mean, I I do have my lovely smartphone, but I do blame almost like mobile devices a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm not vilifying mobile devices. We we're all fairly tethered (laughs) to our mobile devices, but um, there was an article in book riot, uh, that I was reading a couple weeks ago, maybe talk about what's your emergency book. Like, like when you go to a doctor's appointment, when you go to wherever, like if you have a boring party that you're forced to attend for family, what's your emergency book? Um, and yeah, I,
1: there's a reason that when I'm purse shopping, I go, is this big enough to fit my book? So mm-hmm. it's <laughs> not, I'm yep. not that
2: purse. I used to keep one in my, um. I had a big enough, I would get a small size book and I could keep it in the, my console of my car. So even if I got like stuck somewhere where I was sitting in my car, maybe I was going to be stuck like at a doctor or something, I could just grab it out of the console of the middle of my car. So I always had a book with me.
0: I love it. That's great. Also, uh, you mentioned Chicago Public Library, the Harold Washington branch. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I didn't live
2: by that one, but yes, I know I took my children there a couple of times. Yes.
0: I would personally love to live on the top floor of that yeah. library. <laughs> it's somewhere in between Beauty and the Beast levels of awesome and maybe yes. even put a Gotham City, too. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing.
2: Well, I've always liked University of Michigan's library until they found three recluse spiders in there recently. Now I'm a little freaked out and don't want to go back in there. But that's what it reminded me of when I saw the University of Michigan's library as well. Like it's it's that it's that Harry Potter feel of uh, it's I don't know, the Gothic or the I, it, there's just something. But there's something so studious and like serene and calming and I, I guess i just like the big old architectural buildings that I, and they that that old feel and with the books and the library and just i don't know i think i'm old-fashioned
1: there was something i used to i went to u of m for library school and so i worked at the michigan libraries when i was going to library school and every time like I got to walk up the stairs to Hatcher to go to work and go in the big, beautiful entryway, like I just felt, you know, not just like some little you 10 know, hour a week grad student doing their best to get through. But like, it's just so nice. After I graduated, they kept me on for a while so I could, find, you know, until I could find a full time job. And they let me have like a little office to share with another former grad student. And I got to like walk through the stacks and find my office with my name on it. It just felt so <laughs> nice, and nice and all of that kind of thing. And I, I'm also glad that I missed the spiders when I worked
0: there, but yes, exactly. <laughs> I can imagine you tapping three times, hold one more time, you know, it's like a little secret password to get to your office, the way you're describing <laughs> it. Um, very, very appealing, I love it. Um, so you, you went away, uh, one of the ideas, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is what brought you back to Adrian? You know,
2: just the I wanted to raise my children in the the same small town. I, I loved everything about Adrian growing up. I realized that even more when I went to college, I, I went to Purdue University and um, I was roommates with people from. I mean, everybody in my dorm was we. For some reason, all we were all from like out of state. One from Florida, one from Philadelphia, one from Boston, one from Alaska, one from New York City. I mean, we just seemed to be this plethora of students that were just happened to be from very far away. And um, you know, just talking to them and realizing that our small town had a lot of what their big cities had and um, they couldn't believe the experiences and the exposure to different cultures, to, um, you know, the education, like my, they, they thought my um, education was a little bit better coming in because I was succeeding a little bit easier than that. You know, just just looking at everything that I had experienced and I, I do feel like we have a variety of cultures here and an exposure to, to many, um, you know, d- different ways of thinking. And it, it's not a small, closed minded, small town. I, I really don't feel like it is. I it can be there are people that are and I think every small town has that. But I feel like um, I just really felt like it was a great place. And I had always um, I, I honestly did not think I'd move back. Everybody thought I was a big city girl. When I um, graduated, everybody said, you're going to go to the big city. You're never going to come back. We know it. That's from high school. And when um, my first high school reunion that I was back, already living back here, they said, we still cannot believe that you live back here. We're we're absolutely in shock that you live here. And I was absolutely loving it. You no, know, it was hard to raise five kids in the city of Chicago. That's a very difficult task. We live right by Wrigley Field. It was very crazy and you know like I like I said I took them to the library but like they couldn't really do sports like they did a little bit through like Chicago Public um you know through they they had like different like their parks and racks but it was still very difficult. You know, you had a lot of traffic, you had to maneuver different things. They just weren't getting, they were getting exposed to so many cultures, so many different foods, so many different religions. And like, that was amazing. And that was what I was really thankful that they were getting that exposure to all of that. But, um, you know, with schools, it's very difficult there to get into the high school that you want your child to be in it's like testing into an ideally college for some of them (laughs) it is very um you know the amount of prep and the stress level that is put on and the pressure that is put on these students to get into these high schools and i just didn't want my children i was watching others that had older children going through that and our oldest at the time was in fourth grade and i said it's time we need to get out of this environment it you know it was busy it's loud you're always hearing noise it's not very quiet it's hard to have a quiet mind when you're always having no, honking horns and sirens and everything else going off and it just seemed like the right timing my parents were both retiring so it was kind of nice they were going to have even a better relationship with their grandparents but i just wanted to get them back into you know into a small town into where i grew up into adams public schools and um, I think it was the best choice and I think they have all benefited greatly from that decision and, um, I, you know, and I mean, they, the older ones remember Chicago. And so they'll be like, why'd you take us from the big city? But I'm like, you would it wasn't as glamorous as you remember Like it wasn't, there was a lot of non-glamorous parts to living in a big city, you know, and, um, and they just they don't remember that part of it. But um, but they are glad that they grew up here. You know, for, they mostly grew up here, even though, you know, the oldest was in fourth grade when we moved. But the younger ones were they don't remember Chicago at all. They were too little. So, um, yeah, it just I really and as soon as we got here, like I said, we got them Aiden public library cards and we got them, you know, right into all of those, you know, those different things that were so great that we could. Easily access more here than I had been able to, even though we were a part of that Chicago Public Library system and doing all that. It was still, it was a chore to get them to the library just because of traffic, just because of you know there were always major obstacles. I can take them, I could take them to the library here in three minutes, and we could spend you know a couple hours there and come back, and and that would have never happened there. So,
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah. Adrian, it's a pretty nice little place. I, I, it, it, my background really is limited to the cross, while well coming down here for shows. But which I suppose is a good reason to come down here yeah, too. Yeah, And we'll get back. We'll get back. It'll open back up. It will. We will.
2: And that was another thing too. It's just the arts are so strong here. That really, um, art delicious. You know, is, is amazing. Um, but I felt like all of my friends growing up all many of them went into the arts. You know, I, I went to, I graduated with Eric Parker, with Jerry writer, with Chris Hickman, with Andy Jones. I I graduated with all these people that went in, you know, that either a work at the Croswell or have had a big connection to the Croswell, or maybe they're in New York city now doing, you know, at work or I have another friend that's in LA still doing, you know, acting. And um, but the, those, I have so many friends from growing up that were, you know, that I was exposed and I noticed that when I went to college, how many had never been exposed to the arts like I had been. And I accredited that to living in Adrian.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah.
3: Good deal.
0: Now, nerdy question. If a movie is made of your life, who would you pick to portray?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Okay. Well, I have to say, (laughs) (sighs) I I have an obsession and I'm not sure why, but I seem to have an obsession with all the Jennifers that are all my age, but it wouldn't be Jennifer Lopez, even though she is my age, because she's just not me. It would be (laughs) between Jennifer Aniston and Jennifer Garner. And probably I would lean to Jennifer Garner because I really uh, am obsessed with her. I've been obsessed with her since she did Alias many years ago, Mm. that series. um, And then, I just, I, I think she's more me. I think um, the movie Peppermint, Solidified, that would be me. I would take everybody out if you hurt my family. Um, I'm, I'm definitely a mama bear. So um, I, I, I don't know, but there's just something about Jennifer Garner I really like, and um, I, I think
3: it would be her. I, I see it. Yeah. I love that answer.
0: <laughs> of course, we could also even play the musical angle, but that'll be another time. <laughs> Who would you want to sing your life? Um, <laughs> oh my word, women's history month. That's yeah. What is it like? I mean, we we're talking about this. What is it like? I mean, is there any pressure? Do you, what's it like being Adrian's first female mayor? You feel yes. Pressure? there's
2: pressure. Um, you know, I feel like, I think I felt that more at the beginning just because it was, it was a new, idea to everyone and just, you know, getting adjusted to that. And, you know, females and males, we, we interact differently. And so I think just everybody getting used to that of how, um, and I'm a very, um, open book and I am very approachable and I am not afraid to approach you. And I think that was a big of an, a little bit of an adjustment. Like I, will um you know I I am a very personable person I I will um I'm not afraid to get a little bit more personal but if somebody's not comfortable with that I understand but I think sometimes it at first it was freaking a few people out because they weren't used to that because I am like that <laughs> but um but I you know and I but I think now that it 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 has adjusted um I just do things differently I um you know I think it's that motherly nurturing um way that it's it was a different approach than maybe even um the city staff but even like the city commission was used to and like I'm like well let's let's work together and like I was always trying to bring everyone kind of to the same page and um and instead of being more confrontational, maybe so. Then a lot of people are like, oh, well, do you have an opinion? What you know, you you never seem confrontational. Well, I am. I have no problem with stating my opinion, but I think I do it in a way that is. I I don't want to say it's not direct because it is direct, but I but I think just my delivery. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. My delivery. Sometimes they were like, oh, well, you said it so nicely. I didn't actually realize you said it, but you're right. You know, I I think it was just the way that I was, you know, delivering that message. And so, you know, there's just um, there is there are differences. And um, I think some people didn't think I was going to be strong enough for the job. I've actually had people tell me that before. That they said they've been very surprised at. They were afraid, being I think being a woman, they were afraid, and they thought I was too nice that I was going to get my feelings hurt, that I was going to. Um, you know, that I was just too nice. I've heard those words, like literally too nice, and those quotes like that. And um, then they've realized, oh, you're stronger than we thought. You have you have a backbone, and I can take it. I mean, I've worked with college kids and my own children for a long time, and they're probably the meanest human beings there is when it comes to and what I mean by mean is they're gonna tell you exactly what they think and they don't put a filter on anything and they don't hold back. So I was used to taking. Criticisms and used to taking, um, you know, being put in those situations. So I really haven't felt like it was a big a big deal to be caught in some of these confrontations. you know, there's always, cause there's always going to be controversy. There's always going to be topics that not everybody agrees on. There's always going to be a resolution that some of the public is not happy with. And some is, are happy with, you know, I'm going to use the example of, you know, chickens had just recently been a really big issue. And, um, Cause we were looking at, do we, you know, change the ordinance to include chickens or not? Cause there had been some interest in it and, you know, really evaluating that situation. And, um, you know, there's some people that will still approach me in a grocery store and be like, I'm not happy with you. And I'm like, well, I'm really sorry, but that's how I feel. You know, like, it's just that I just knew going in that I was going to have that, but I felt like, you know, I, I have a good way to diffuse it. And I feel like I've been able to use some of that, that motherly. Maybe is the right word that motherly instinct to kind of diffuse it and and bring it down before it escalates. Instead of you know, and so it's come to my advantage as well. And um, I've just really tried to be very approachable. I don't even if you don't want if you if it's because you're coming in with a complaint or maybe it's a good thing. Usually it's complaints. um, I've really tried to be open. Unfortunately, COVID really destroyed that because I had office hours every day and people were coming in all the time well with COVID we ended up having to close city hall and then we opened it again so when I had people coming back in and then we had to close it again due to to due to the you know COVID so it's I've I, it's been sad because I haven't been as accessible to the public as I wanted to be but um you know I've really tried to be out there and you know and and being that's that that voice for them like that's why the chicken debate started because there were people that were coming to me saying hey I'd really like to explore possibly bringing in chickens I said well we'll bring it I'll ask to have it put on a pre-meeting and that's how that all started so um you know, it didn't necessarily go the way those people wanted it to go in the long run, but at least that was brought and their voice was heard. And, um, you know, I try to be sympathetic to everyone's voices and then, you know, but I, but I, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily agree with you, but, and I say that when I say, we'll bring it something to the table, but it doesn't mean I'm going to agree with you. But, um, I just think, you know, being, I think now, As time has gone on, I've shown that I, you know, even though I am a female, because I think some people have in their mind, females are weak and females, you know, maybe can't handle. I don't think people realize how much criticism and how much, especially if you're a mom from your own children, but, but even in general, I... Women are critical, so critical on themselves, much more than I think men are. And I think we're used to being criticized, and we're we uh, we're stronger than everyone thinks. And um, I think that has kind of been proven. But I think I did have to prove it. I will say that was one obstacle I had to overcome, and I I had to prove that I that I am strong. So that was one little thing I did have to kind of tackle right right from the beginning. You're
0: gotcha. awesome. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I, by the way, I have to say, I'm totally detecting the educator voice coming through a little bit. <laughs> I can imagine you applying that to being a mayor as well, um, diffusing tense situations when you need to. I, yeah. Which, yes. My undergrads behind me a little bit, and but I think you'd make a wonderful professor too. I can see. That. <laughs> Thanks. Which what, what all do you teach? Because um, I, I, you're you taught dance. Yes. Yeah,
2: mother- so I. Right now, what I do is I coach both the cheer and the dance teams at Siena. But I do teach first year experience there and I've done some conditioning classes in the past. But first, you know, teaching that first year experience is for the freshmen when they come in and it's about navigating school and it's and it's about, um, you know, how do you get with your academic advisor? How do you sign up for classes for next semester? You know, it's it's basically navigating and getting them familiar to school and how it works and study habits and what are your learning styles and you need to capitalize on what your learning style is and um, all those areas and I will tell you I've taught now that class for six years and every time I teach it more and more, it says my, still my first love probably will always be teaching. It really will. Um, I love teaching that class. I, I love working with those students in that capacity and they've even told me they can tell I love it just because of, of, you know, what I put into it. It was hard this year because we ended up having to go online towards the end of the fall. And that's when that class is. And, um, it was hard to connect with them, like seeing them all on zoom and some of them didn't want to turn on their cameras or they said they didn't have them. So <coughs> sorry. So I ended up FaceTiming each of them individually before the class was over. Like that was one of their assignments. They had to FaceTime me and just talk. And, um, I just really wanted to, you know, try to get them through finals and prep them and, you know, do some study habits and just talk to them. But I, Um, I really do. I've taught literally everything. Weirdly enough, I have a degree that goes from pre-K. So I'm an early childhood specialist, actually. That's what I, I have a degree in that. But I can actually teach, not in the state of Michigan, but where I was, I could teach through eighth grade. So I actually got moved my right when I graduated, I moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin for a job teaching job. And at school, basically, they had teachers retiring. So they kept moving me around. So I went from first grade to third grade to junior high for the last couple of years. And literally, I feel like my love was junior high. And I kind of wish I had pursued secondary ed a little bit more because then I realized how much I loved it. But I moved to Chicago then at that point. And when I did, I got a job at a preschool that um was a very top-notch preschool and they had to have a Macy accredited person in the building. And that happened to be me. So it worked out. And um I literally realized that my loves are either preschool or secondary. Uh, and I everybody said that's so wide You don't understand how you can do that. Cause I actually didn't like third grade. I didn't even like first grade. I didn't really like those middle grades at all. And I said, well, preschoolers are our junior high, high school, and college kids in bigger bodies. That's I mean, that that they're bigger body versions of preschoolers. That's what I meant. Literally, I, I feel like they're the same human being in a lot of ways. Um it's, it's not that they're immature they go backwards like that, but I could, I could actually work with them almost the same. It was just preschool with smaller bodies and the others were larger bodies, but, um, a lot of times they need the, some of the same nurturing and some of the same supports and, um, you know, and dealing with emotions. Cause that's happening again during those times. But, uh, I really, everybody always says, oh, we can hear the preschool teacher in you when you talk to us though. Cause I, I still, I, I so I have a couple adopted neighbor children that are preschool age that I'm constantly, I'm the fruit snack lady. And then I'm giving them books all the time and they know I'm the fruit snack lady. They always know I have plenty of juice boxes and fruit snacks at my house. And um, so when it's warm out, I'm always, you know, giving them that and doing little songs with them and reading books. And um, I, I, I do love that, but yeah, but I have just kind of taken a new twist on it and I, I've been in the college now, I've not at Sienna, but I've been in college teaching and coaching now for 12 years. So it was just like a new direction that I took. Like when I was 40 years old, I just went that direction. And then everybody said, how could you decide to be mayor? Like, that's a very big change. Like, that's kind of crazy. And honestly, I, um, I, always had a strong leadership background. Um, I, When I was at Purdue University, everybody had a representative except the off-campus students. And there was a very large population of us that lived off campus and um but the sororities all had a voice the fraternities all had a voice the co-op houses and all of that and I said they need to have a voice so I actually started the off-campus student coalition it's still running to this day so we started that I was actually their first homecoming rep so I always had that drive in me I was a leader at Abram high school when I was there in high school um you know I was a leader in college um It seemed like every time I went somewhere, I tried to get involved in leadership in some way. Um, Chicago Public Schools, I was on their school board. But there, there's is different, they do have an overseeing school board where that's like your job, but each school has its own school board that reports, because the schools there are very large. So each school has a school board, and they report to Chicago Public as a general. So I was on the school board for that school, um, the local school that was close by. Um, you, you did get voted in, so it was a very similar process. And then, um, but I always was that person that always wanted to be involved, and when I came back to Adrian, I said I'm not going to get too involved. That was a joke. Um, I was here one year. <laughs> I was here one year, and I was PTO president at Alexander. So that didn't last very long. Oops. So uh, I, so I, I did get involved, you know. And but I wanted to take a break for a while. So I really had kind of stayed in leadership positions that were based around my children, or you know, different things like that. And I just really had tried. Or or with my job, because I um, was on the forefront for the NAI, which Santa Heights is a part of the NAI. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on their national committee. I still am actually on their national committee, Um, but I was the president of that two years ago. Um, and Now I'm the past president, but I'm still on that committee. Um, I always tend to be that person that's on those kind of, you know, different, I, I just want to be involved. I want to, I want to make a difference. I want to see the change that I know can happen. And so I was just waiting for the right time. I had five children in seven years. They were all smashed together. They were all very active. Erin um, can attest to that. She knows my children. They were very, very, very. Agreed. In sports, in musicals, and whatever it might be. Um, there, I just didn't have time to pursue anything like being mayor at that point or anything city related. I just didn't have the time. But I was always interested. So it worked out perfect. My daughter was graduating high school, the youngest was graduating high school right when um, the the election time was beginning. And I mm-hmm. talked to my husband and we made the decision that he knew that I really was interested. I've been going to city commission meetings. I was you know, very interested in getting more involved and making a difference in our city. And my children were all grown now and I was going to have that extra time. So I basically replaced all that time that I used to put into running to sporting events and musicals and everything else. And I just replaced it with city time now. So I, everybody said, how do you have time? And I'm like, well, I just swapped one for the other cause I don't have the others now.
0: So yeah. <laughs> I, I need a vacation just thinking about all that running around.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I feel like having like, junior high teacher education probably actually like really translates well into mayoral skills. Like I can see that actually being a pretty good pathway.
3: I mean, yeah. if someone's upset, you just hand them a snack. Exactly. Here's a juice box. Here's the fruit snacks. There you go. Well, honestly,
2: a lot of it is listening. I will say the number one thing is <coughs> just they want to be heard so if somebody has a complaint or an issue or a concern they want to be heard and a lot of and that's what what do, what a preschoolers want they want to be heard you know like what do uh teenagers want they want to be heard um it, it really is a, a very related like a, a very a skill that can be transferred over very easily and that's what I've done a lot of times that's all I can do because I can already tell you a lot of times if somebody comes in with a complaint I already know when they start talking, oh, again, there's nothing we're going to be able to do about this, but I just listen to them and I never interrupt and I just listen and I listen out and I say, I really understand. I, I really wish there was something, you know, we could do, or I do refer Maybe there is something that can be done. Um, but listening is definitely the biggest key to all of that, for sure. And everybody just wants to be heard. That's
0: really what it comes down to.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: What about the future? what are your plans for the future?
2: Well, I'm running for re-election. Mm. Um, Their term is only a two-year term. So, um, uh, I will be on the ballot for November. Um, well, unless there's more that goes on the primary in August, but, um, so it'll depend. I'll either be on one of those, but, um, they, uh, so I, I really want to continue. I really feel like I could not accomplish everything that I was, you know, I was really hoping to be in the community more like I was wanting to do coffee hours and town halls. I did one coffee hour at City Hall to get people more comfortable with City Hall and feel like it's an approachable building. And I offered cookies and, and um, coffee and I was there all day to talk to people and some came in. But, you know, I'm just trying to open that up and make it feel like a more accessible building and maybe not a scary building. Um, I went to the Adrian Senior Center and um, we opened that up for a like a town hall, like a coffee hour. But then COVID hit. So I only got those two things in before we had all these restrictions and we weren't allowed to be in groups anymore so that was you know that kind of you know blew that out but I was getting great great feedback out of those um, especially that one I did at the Adrian Senior Center everybody that came there for that um, I, there was some really great feedback and and honestly when you can open those lines of communication some of them just helped. some people that brought concerns, they just had a misconception. And when I told them, oh no, this is what, or, you know, this is what's happening, or this is where this is going, or, you know, oh yes, we just passed that, that street's getting fixed. It's already on the list for this year. They were like, what? Like they didn't know because not everybody listens to the city commission meetings. Um, Not many people do at all. And um, so it was just really great to have that communication. You know, I'm not going to say it was always like I was giving great news because sometimes I wasn't, but, you know, but it's just a really great to have that communication and, and open that up. So I want to do more of that. And I feel like obviously I couldn't, it was like a, a dampened uh, first mayor term just because, you know, I couldn't have city hall wasn't open for, you know, almost a year. And, you know, we couldn't have gatherings and, and things like that. So um but we are making progress. Even in the midst of that, we're, we're doing a lot of some really great things when it comes to um, repurposing buildings um we have actually a lot of businesses like that are are there's some things in the works right now that is, are very exciting and like buildings are being looked at that you might think are not right now that you're like wow these buildings are so ransacked. what is going on but there there are actually things like like great things are happening there is a revitalization going on and we are really trying to make progress when it comes um to blight and um and, and making some strong initiatives. And there's just great, there's some great community efforts going on. Um, there is a, all about Adrian coalition that um, they have a, already have a, an agreement with ProMedica and ProMedica is going to help them and they're going to build a community garden over on Erie street. And it, it, there's just some really great things. And that's not even like an entity of the city, but I go to all their meetings. So um, there's just some really- there, are, there is an excitement stirring, even in the midst of the pandemic, and, and things are, are moving in, in an exciting way. And, you know, I, I hope all of our businesses, we did lose a couple businesses because of the pandemic. Um, I hope all the restaurants, you know, and all the businesses can make it through. Um, but I feel like we're starting to finally get, get out of that a little bit, I hope. But like, we even had something so exciting. I didn't realize it until I went to the grand opening, but we have a barber college here in adrian now and it's the first one we've ever had in adrian and i didn't realize when legacy barber college opened because i went to their grand opening that they were the first barber college we'd ever had in adrian and they literally have a waiting list to get into their school already that i heard i think is 2022 or 2023 it's that far out now so there there is um I mean that's being very successful and um people want to pursue that and um so you know we've had some great things despite the pandemic we've had these businesses open and that's amazing so
0: yeah you
2: know,
0: absolutely it's, I, I feel like i've learned so much and just like
1: yeah as a downtown resident i'm really excited like to find out more about what else is coming to town in general but like especially i know there's plenty of room downtown here still that we're working on revitalizing so
0: Said it and i know there are like council meetings we can attend online but there are sometimes when i'm done here i'm like i'm zoomed out i'm done right <laughs> the zoom fatigue well i think i always work
1: during the monday night ones. So oh yeah that's it's, true it's a little hard for me to attend
3: monday night crew jen
1: yeah, aaron and i can't go to
0: these <laughs> oh gosh we are running a little short on time but i, I, I have a couple more questions that i want to get to um in the vein of women's history month do you have and inspiration behind you do you have that woman who has pushed you, inspired you, someone, you know, personally, or it can be someone famous to the community.
2: You know, there's, if I were to pick probably a, a famous person, and this might have some influence because I was in Chicago at the time. But but honestly, Oprah Winfrey, if it was a famous person, has been a very big influence, Um, just. I mean, I, I, I'm always doing quotes of hers. Um, I'm a big quote person. Um, everybody laughs all the time. They're like, okay, miss motivational. They're always making fun of me because I'm always putting out motivational quotes. And, um, I, I live by them. Everybody says that about me, but I think that was some of it, you know, my, some of my draw to Oprah, but trying to see the positive in a negative situation and, um, you know, t- kind of and going against the odds and 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 thinking outside the box that's definitely what you know Oprah has done through the years and um just definitely a major influence um on me for sure but if it came to somebody personally I would say would be my my late grandmother um she I didn't actually grow up near her She lived in Columbus, Ohio for a while. And then a bunch of my family ended up moving to New Mexico. So they moved about as far away from Michigan as they could get. And all my aunts ended up moving out there. We were the only part of our family still living back here. And, um, but we would go out all the time, you know, to see family. And I stayed very close to my grandma throughout all of her living really far away. And she'd come back for a good portion of the summer and stay with us. But um, my grandmother was... A very resilient, she went through some very hard times. She was a single mom with teenagers. She was a person that really had to, you know, didn't have a lot of money and really had to survive. And she used her talents that she had. She was an amazing artist. In fact, I have a lot of her artwork in my house. Um, And my parents have her artwork all over their house. But my grandmother, you know, she was never like famous for that but i mean just um she used those you know she did make some side money on that and got through but my grandma was just one of the well the hardest working and you know back then in in the 70s and 80s you didn't really see single older women like thriving like she was you know like it was everybody kept saying well don't you want to get married don't you need a man you know like because she was you know she was struggling to make it on her own but she did it and she had to work several jobs at one point to do it but um it was her heart her compassion she worked at the new mexico school of the death and she worked there with them and um she that's where she retired from she just absolutely loved it and um she just had that heart of gold would do anything for everybody and was one of the most hard work, work, hardest working women I've ever known. And so on a personal level, it would probably be her. So, yeah,
0: that's awesome. Thank you. Thank me. you for sharing. Um, yeah, we are going to wrap it up in a second. We open the library opens in a few minutes. Um,
1: <laughs> Chelsea I might want us upstairs at some point.
0: Yeah, at some point, maybe. I want to thank you, Mayor Heath, for showing up and hanging out with us this morning. and. I want to thank anyone who's going to tune in and listen and learn from uh, the mayor. And if we could, if you could, because usually our trade is finding the right book for the right person or suggesting a new book for the a person. Um, can you suggest a book for us all to read? I mean, I can't say that we're all going to read it, but I'll definitely well, we'll pick give it, a it shot. up. Yeah. Any book you want. We'll
3: order it from Mel. We'll all read it. Yeah. Come back two weeks, read it, talk about it. I don't know. You're asking me a hard question. I should have researched
2: that. I don't know. I don't know. It is hard when you're on the spot. I, my mind always goes
1: blank, which is terrible because this is my job.
2: I know because <laughs> I have so many uh, bookworm friends like myself. So they're always posting about books and my brother is a big, big reader and he's always suggesting books. He's always sending me books too. Um, I, sorry, my, my mind is just blank right now, but I will tell you what I, actually just picked up the other day and I've been very intrigued I told you I like history, yeah. but you can't, there is a, it was written by, it was actually written by a Sienna Heights professor, Juliana Frost, but it is a, um, it's the history of Adrian. Oh. Um, I, I love anything like I own the like history of Oneaway County that was written by uh, Charles, you know, I, I like, I love those history books, even for our own history. And I had never, and I knew that Juliana Frost had done one on Adrian and had not been able to find it. And I actually located it um, about a month ago. And so I've actually started reading that. It is a lot of pictures, um, you know, in in addition to, you know, the history, but that's also kind of cool to see like downtown back then or like, where is that train depot? Does that still exist? So I've actually gone on hunts now trying to find, does that building even still exist i found one of them so i know it's still there um so it's been kind of like a little treasure hunt too of trying to find these little you know from looking at the pictures on the you know and what is said in in the book about just about like our our industry back then and, and you know what people were doing for livelihood and um just kind of what's made our our town the way it is so um i really enjoyed that i picked it up actually in Tecumseh at the hobby shop That's where I found it. Um, I've looked there before because they have histories of other cities and uh, Adrian, they never seem to have, but they had it this time because I always just search for it in case and I found that. But so that's just to know, you know, we live in Adrian. Well, some of us do, you know, (laughs) but we live in. (laughs) We live in Adrian, And so, you know, it's kind of nice to know that that history of, of industry and like talking about like, I don't know how many people knew this. I knew it because I was it was ingrained in my head growing up that we're the fence capital of the you know, we used to be the fence capital of the world. So they talked a lot about the fence companies in the, in that book. And so I found that very intriguing. Um, one little tidbit of info that I think is why I'm so into the history of Adrian is my great 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 grandfather james sword was actually the first president of adrian they didn't have mayors back then because we were not an incorporated city and they had not had an election yet so he was if you go to the historical society his pictures up there and it says first mayor of adrian but it was he was actually the like the first president but it's basically the mayor but he was not he was not elected he was just appointed he only did it until Addison Comstock was voted in. He didn't run for election. He just did it during that that time while they became incorporated into a city. But his picture is at the Histo- Historical Society. And I think that's what's made me so invested in the history of Adrian because when my mom found this, my mom started doing, you know, she was living at the Aden Public Library on all those microfiches back then. Oh and I was helping her, by the way. And we were trying, she was trying to retrace all of our family history on my dad's side of the family um, once she found out. Because, like, I'm named after um, a grandma, Angie McKenzie, McKenzie Street, um, the sword family married the McKenzie family. Um and they had brickyards and then they, you know, so they had they had um they there was brickyards over that way. And I guess the houses over that way by the old Y, they find bricks all the time in their yards when they go digging. Because um, there were brick the sword brickyard and the McKenzie brickyard were both over that way. Um, So, I mean, I have very invested, you know, my daughter's middle name is Mackenzie spelled like Mackenzie street because we're carrying out those family names. So um, my history here has gone on since the incorporation of the city. I mean, I, my family's been here since then. So I think I'm a little bit more intrigued by it just for that reason too.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Okay. Final thing for you. And I thought about sharing this a minute or earlier in the podcast as well, but you said something, um, I read Braille, right? Um, it's something I pick up over the years, and I was reading a mystery book the other day, in in braille, and I thought, ooh, something mm. bad's gonna happen. I can feel it.
3: Mm. Ooh, <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> that was really <laughs> bad.
0: For the war, I, I don't read braille. I just like really bad jokes.
3: Is this the <laughs> point where I can get up and walk out of the room like I normally do? Aaron's Aaron's face was the best. That's what
2: made that perfect right there. Just so you know. <laughs> Thank you. Like a minute,
3: I wasn't prepared.
0: (laughs) I will talk to you pretty soon with um, some of the information when it's going to go up. I'm aiming for Monday morning. Okay.